1: Welcome back to my channel. I used to, um, well I didn't used to, I still do, start meetings with saying, hey guys, welcome to my channel. Gen X loves that one. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) love it. Oh my god, I'll have to try that one at work. It lands every time. Guess what? What? Today we're talking about school nutrition. Specifically, we are debunking the myth that Michelle Obama is an almond mom that cursed the nation because I once thought that this is my penance for spreading that rumor is now I have to dispel it because in middle school, everyone hated Michelle Obama because she took away the pizza and ice cream at school, but it's not her fault and we're going to talk about that today. You
2: might say to yourself redacted and fries. how does this relate to quitting? I don't know that it does.
1: It does. It does. It does. Tell us how redacted. Bear with me. A okay. couple of things. One, we know that there's correlations between food and behavior. So when kids aren't eating enough or what have you, it has an impact on their behavior, which naturally impacts teachers. If you have ever had to teach a hangry child, you probably want to quit as well because they're cranky, you're cranky, everybody's cranky. It also is relating to teachers quitting because this is like an area of the school system, school nutrition, that in my opinion has gotten really fucked by companies that are very profit hungry and I think that that problem is true in many areas like curriculum, testing, lots of things that companies make lots of money off of education. I think this is an example of that. As a teacher, I never wanted to eat the lunches because they were never good. And I think teachers, if we're feeding them better, they'd be happier. Feeding people will make them not quit. I think people really underestimate how important it is to feed people. The company that I work for cut some of our healthcare benefits, but I was more upset that they cut our snacks because they used to feed us and then they stopped. And they used to cover all of our health insurance and then they stopped. So I had to pay like $50 a month. And I didn't even give a shit about that. the fact that I didn't have sun trips on demand, I'm not okay.
2: No, I feel like that's happening with startups. Like that is not only an indicator that things are going south for a startup, but also you couldn't pick a worse thing to take
1: away from people. When you think about teaching, teaching is one of the jobs where it's hardest to prioritize your own physical well-being. Like it's hard to remember to drink water. It's hard to go use the restroom. It's hard to feed yourself adequately. So you have to be there super early. We can do so much good for teachers by taking the time task of meal prepping off of their plate and just making it to where you have high quality food that's healthy that you enjoy available to you at school that is going to a make teachers better teachers because we're all our best self when we're fed and b just be a load off of you because i would every morning i'd be like fuck i need to bring something for lunch a lot of times you don't have access to a microwave you can't put a fridge in your classroom for various safety reasons so i think like it just shows a lot of dignity to give teachers like here is a high quality meal that you get to enjoy that you do not have to put work into because you already have so much else going on. And the same for students. I think providing food can take such a burden off of people, not just financially, but just like logistically. Yeah, 100%.
2: I guess at my most recent school, I was in a new district that had people like making things, but it was very minimal and it was mostly like pre-packaged and bought from a company. And yeah. then you like heat it up on site. Like I'll be talking to teachers who are like, wow, this lunch is so much better than what we got when we were in school. And I'm like... Shocked by that because in Pennsylvania we had hot bar that was like you know all the like random school lunch entrees that everybody thinks of. Then you had pizza bar option, salad bar. There was like a sandwich thing, and then you could like pick whatever you wanted for breakfast. At one, they added breakfast at one point. Then you could like pick whatever dessert you wanted, whatever drink you wanted, whatever fruit. Like we had so many options, you could go
1: back for seconds. It was like made on site. Mine was not. Nearly that good. Yeah, it was a little crazy. Before, like, the big federal changes that we're going to talk about, before that happened, every day they had pizza and then, like, a salad and uncrustable situation. And then they would have a third thing that, like, rotated. So sometimes it would be the little cheese bread sticks with the marinara. Oh,
2: yeah. We called them Mac sticks, they're like stuffed crusts.
1: Yeah, it's like literally stuffed crust. We would have like that. I was talking to my friend about this the other day. We had this thing called Asian Chicken Bites that we all fucking loved. And it was really just like a little chicken nuggets in some kind of like teriyaki orange chicken type of sauce. We just have like rotating like hot food. I'm kind of picky. So I usually was a take my lunch kind of gal until I got to middle school and they had pizza every day. And then I was like, yeah, I'm going to eat this pizza. So good.
2: When I was in kindergarten, I ran out of lunch money and they gave me the free lunch and it was literally a pb and J. I'm allergic to peanut butter. And half... A milk. So you know how they have like the boxed milks? They have a half version of it. Oh no. And like an apple no. or something like that. My mom raised hell.
1: She was like, if you're going to give her
2: free lunch, at least make her a jelly sandwich or something. Like,
1: damn. It is wild that in this country, literal like five-year-old children can be in lunch debt. That is so batshit crazy. Our free lunch was an encrustable, and they would give you like a juice or a milk and then they'd give you like a fruit. I think.
2: Oh, yeah. Uncrustables hadn't been invented. But then when they were, they originally had grilled cheese uncrustables that were so good, in my humble opinion.
1: I'm so picky about grilled cheese. I literally only like a grilled cheese if I'm the one that makes it. I get that. Because I hate Kraft singles. Kraft singles give me the ick so fucking bad. When were we talking about that? Was
2: that on the podcast? The other podcast day. Or was that-
1: I think on Patreon we were talking oh, about uh-huh. snacks and I would talk about how my mother force fed us Kraft singles fucking constantly. Oh, my
2: God. So one thing that's coming. Coming out right now is that california became the first state to implement a statewide universal meals program for school children so breakfast too breakfast and lunch not just for what they call needy children they say but all children each school day and then in
1: my experience most children are needy
2: especially in the area of food i mean that was a huge concern during covid time we went and handed out meals and it was like three days of meals sometimes yeah oh Six i things. remember that
1: i I also think like one good thing about the free meals for everybody is that it kind of like destigmatizes free and reduced lunch because I remember Mm. when I was in like late elementary school my dad used to pack my lunch because I'm a picky little brat and my mom was saying my parents are going through some financial issues and so I qualified for free and reduced lunch and so my mom was like you should get the free and reduced lunch form from school and then we'll fill it out and you can eat free lunch at school every day so then your father who's trying to make a living doesn't have to cut the crust off of your precious sandwich every morning and we'll save some money and I lost my fucking mind I was like so embarrassed I was like no I don't want to be on free and reduced lunch because like I don't how somehow people would how know How you know like I remember when you like something would come up on the screen and people would be like oh did you see so and so is on free and reduced lunch like when you put it like the hey. lunch lady could see it like I don't remember how but people would always end up knowing and so I just like was mortified and I was like please 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 do not put me on free and reduced lunch I was like please keep making my lunch and my mom was like oh my god okay drama queen but I think like I think kids do feel a really big kind of stigma around it even though other people aren't supposed to know we know how children are they're little nosies.
2: That's so true. I never thought about that. I don't even think at the schools that I've worked at, my
1: kids don't even have like lunch money. Like you walk in, and you grab your food, and you go sit down. The school I worked at, almost every single kid was on free and reduced lunch. And it was actually kind of funny to see because I had had the experience of like being mortified at someone even thinking I was on free and reduced lunch because I grew up in a very like upper middle class area. And then when I started teaching high school, they would literally clown the shit out of kids who weren't on free and reduce lunch they'd be like you're paying for lunch you're giving the government your money for that shitty food and they would like show each other like how to get the form and stuff like that like sometimes if a kid would move from a different district they'd be like no I don't pay for that and they would be like you could put anything on the form and they'll approve it like apparently they don't really like verify the information you put on there I kind of love that I always say it's good to like go to and work in very different types of schools because every school is so different and like the kind of like social norms in every school was difference. So it was so funny to see them. Like, I distinctly remember a kid moved from another country. And the kids were like, nah, do not pay for lunch. They were like, do not let the government take your money like that. Because they all have to enter their number. But like, I think like 97% of them were on free and reduced lunch.
2: I guess last year I worked at a school that they had lunch cards that they used. But the kinders before, they would just give their little name. And that was always a challenge. Give your name. And then they go sit down. So cute. They don't know their name. I could never
1: teach kindergarten. They don't know their names. Like, be so serious.
2: They kind of know their names. But they'll sometimes be Shy and whisper it or they don't know their last name and it's like okay but some of my kids would pack their lunch and get lunch and then they'd throw away their school lunch.
1: Yep. So much food waste happens in schools. It's horrifying. At my old school it was an epidemic. I would probably watch 50 plus lunches get thrown away every single day and then like I don't really know what the money situation was but like the admin would make the kids go in the lunch line and get lunch even if they said they did not want lunch they would be like you can throw it away or else like they would lose their numbers or something like that so literally I like never went in the lunchroom because it was super overstimulating to have a thousand teenagers yeah. in one space at a time but the few times I was in there probably at least a quarter of the kids would go through the line and then drop it immediately in the trash can which like I don't think you should make kids eat something if they don't want to eat it obviously no. but the amount of kids that were like but they shouldn't have to pick it exactly, up exactly the amount of kids that were like no I brought a sandwich or like no I'm getting uber eats or no I'm gonna have a lot of kids what they would do it would just eat a snack during lunch because school was done at 2.30 so they would eat lunch at home and just eat a snack which is what I would do too and so a lot of kids would be like no I don't want to get lunch I'm just going to get vending machine chips or something and they would like force them to get lunch to throw it away (laughs) and then another thing that happened at that school my principal he like recognized that so many kids were throwing food away and the kids didn't like the school lunch so he got a couple like alumni to donate some microwaves and he was going to set up like a cart with microwaves on it and then the district came in and made him get rid of it because they were like no the kids can't have access to that they're supposed to be getting school lunch like it was a money thing about like we were supposed to be kind of like funneling the kids towards school lunch so we could not do any food anything that was not the government school lunch even though we weren't giving them food we were just giving them a microwave to heat up. The food that they had brought from their homes. I
2: want to be a fly on the wall for the district meeting where they, like I said before, like who's getting their kneecaps broken in a parking lot over this
1: shit? Because the stakes being this high that it's policed this explicitly, something is happening. I know that it was not like a fire safety thing because they didn't give a shit when teachers or admin had microwaves in our offices and classrooms. They only cared when we made it accessible for the kids. That's weird. It's very weird. Behind closed doors, I I know that the lunch companies get paid per lunch. So I think whoever at the district has whatever kind of relationship with whatever food vendor is guaranteeing you will get X number of lunches bought every day every week whatever it is and they really want to meet that number for you know their little capitalistic endeavors that's why i wanted to talk about this because i think it's like a very interesting shady business that people really wouldn't think of did you find anything interesting off the bat that you want to read to us i did so this one is from capan online connecting education research policy and practice it's from 2020 and it's the big business of school meals and it says according to a usda study of the food served in public non charter schools in 2014, 87% of schools offered branded food for purchase. So that means like companies like PepsiCo and Kraft that are making money from the government and from families that are paying into school lunches. Um, It says big food companies like Tyson and Kraft reap around $20 billion per year just from school lunches. And these companies also heavily lobby the government. So I'm thinking that that's kind of where we get this dynamic of the district being like, you have to force the children to eat this food. Stop. Stop. Ronald Reagan jump scare. Oh, It says no. during the 1980s, the Reagan administration pushed schools even further down this path by slashing the federal lunch school program by 25%. Since then, it has only become more and more common for districts to turn over their cafeterias to private corporations such as Aramac, Chartwells, and Sodex, the big three. And then it said during the 1987 to 88 school year, only about one in 25 schools relied on these companies, but now it's one in five. So these companies, Companies have been slowly taking over more and more and more of these lunches. And we all know, I don't really think the CEO of this company is being like, let's make sure little Timmy is eating high quality vegetables. They're being like, let's make sure we can make as much money off little Timmy as possible, which is why I think we see, at least in my experience, very low quality foods being given to children and foods that are not fresh, they're not local, they're oftentimes not appealing to children. Like, not to be almond mom energy, but like kids need to eat. Eat a shit ton of vegetables like they're burning a ton of energy the nutrients are very very good for them and I read this the other day the reason kids don't like vegetables is because their bitter receptors of their taste buds are very 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 sensitive as adults they're not that sensitive so that's why we like things like Brussels sprouts and a child is like this is horrifying so I think we're doing such a disservice by only offering vegetables that are not fresh and not presented in a way that children usually like to eat vegetables I can tell you if I give a kid canned and peas with no seasoning, no kind of sauce, they're not gonna eat that vegetable because neither the fuck am I. But if you give a kid some shredded zucchini, mix some parmesan with it, throw it in the oven, they're gonna eat that up. They're gonna like it. So I think like it's so depressing that we're spending so much fucking money on school lunches but we're still not giving kids food that is stuff they're gonna eat because even though we can say, oh, we do have these nutritional requirements, the lunch is required to have this many servings of vegetables, this many servings of fruit. If it's not being given to kids in a way that's like appetizing and enticing for them they're not gonna eat it and at the end of the day if they're not eating it it doesn't fucking matter what it says on the piece of paper is the requirement. Mm -hmm. So this is what I was talking about with Michelle Obama shortly after the 2008 election Michelle Obama did a lot health wise that was one of her like causes as first lady and a lot of people because they're racist assholes they were like since when does the first lady control policy? First ladies for literally five fucking ever have usually picked some kind of topic they're passionate about and advocated for it. It's not like they're writing the policy but it's called the Healthy Hunger-Free Kids Act. It was passed by Congress in 2010, and it included a stipulation to improve the nutritional profile of schools. This rule known as smart snacks in schools places limits on the amount of fat, sugar, sodium, and calories of a la carte foods sold during the school day. So what the intention of this was, was to put in stricter requirements so that the schools themselves or the companies that this has been outsourced to would have to put healthier foods in schools. I think all of us can agree. like We don't want kids to be eating stuff that's not going to be great for them. It's great that they're putting healthy things in schools, whatever. However, the implementation did not go super, super fire because basically what happened is all of these companies that were already having these contracts and using school lunches as a profitable business just modified the ingredients that we're using and in many cases lowered the quality a lot. Because if I only want to spend, let's say $1 per lunch, I can get... Bread for a dollar, but it's hard to get vegetables for a dollar. So they started switching to lower quality vendors. So that's why you didn't really see any fresh things and you saw things without sauces, without seasonings, without things that make food enjoyable to eat. So then these same exact companies are still in control. They're just using different vendors in a slightly quote unquote healthier version of what they had before and making the exact same amount of money. Like it was really all profit driven, which they probably should have written in some things to prevent that because anyone with two brain cells could have told you that that was going to fucking happen that the same companies just figured out a new way to be profitable but they didn't so here we are i guess Mm -hmm. i
2: was looking at something from the university of washington school of public health it's from 2020 so they're talking about pre-pandemic times and it starts talking about the rollback measures that have happened since the implementation of this policy the u.s department of agriculture altered the nutrition standards in 2018 to allow for fewer whole grains and more more sodium, and flavored milk. Then in 2020, right before schools closed from COVID, the department proposed another set of changes to reduce the servings of vegetables students had to eat every week. The proposed changes, they say, build on the 2018 reforms that preserve strong nutrition standards while providing schools the additional flexibilities they need to best serve America's students. It's like tricky because it's like, on one hand, it's like, I don't want to be the almond mom that's like, you have to eat these things. Like, I don't want to perpetuate harmful thinkings about food but at the same time we've governmentized lunchtime we've made it into something that's like sterile almost
1: and it's like before i get into michelle obama i think like food is inherently cultural it's inherently local and it's a very very personal thing every region in the world has different likes in their foods and different things that are popular so i think like governmentizing it like this has like you said just made it an extremely sterile experience um and i think that like Like, both of us have the same mindset of, like, don't want to be almond mom energy and want to, like, cultivate kind of an attitude of, like, enjoying mealtime and it not being a stressful experience. And, like, you should be happy when you're eating and, like, enjoying what you're eating and feel satisfied by it. And that's really just not the case for most kids because they have kids in Wisconsin eating the exact same thing as kids in L.A. When if you look in people's homes in Wisconsin and L.A., culturally, those are two very different places. And so kids are going to be used to very different things.
2: From a socioeconomic perspective perspective in schools especially like schools that I've worked in where there's a lot of working parents this is a saving grace for them to not have to pack their kids lunch not have to wake up early and sacrifice rest to make them breakfast like they can come into school they can have breakfast they can have lunch they can have snack and then they just have to worry about dinner or they send them to after school and they can have dinner there like this is opening more times for these kids to have access to nutritional foods and have just more time with their families at home not, you know, Mm -hmm. it takes that off of the plate. And it is really like a critical piece of our communities And what
1: you're saying about like, in 2018, when they kind of made things like more flexible, and there's kind of like two edges of that. It's like, on one side, I think flexibility is a really good thing, because everyone has their preferences, and no one should be forced to eat stuff they don't like. But then on the other hand, we can also see we're like, maybe making it too flexible is leading to some really, really unhealthy foods being put into schools when we know that like, in this country, we don't have a healthcare system system that can support us eating unhealthy all the time. (laughs) Like I think your relationship with food starts very young. And when I worked at the early Head Start place that I worked at, that is through the Department of Child and Family Services, not through the Department of Education. And obviously both of those organizations have their own issues. But I really liked the way that we handled mealtime there. And I felt like mealtime there was a much more positive experience than it ever was when I was in like a public school under the Department of Ed. The way it worked there is we had very strict guidelines of what you had to give them. They needed to have one serving of vegetable, one serving of fruit, they needed milk, they needed protein, they needed all of that. And you all ate together at a table so you would eat with your students and the rule was you had to serve them every single thing but they didn't have to eat it if they didn't want to and you were not allowed to say anything to them being like eat this, eat this. And the other thing that I loved is they were allowed to have seconds of anything even if they had not finished everything on their plate. So let's say I gave you greens, some little chicken pieces and some fruit. If you didn't eat anything except your fruit, but you want more fruit, I can give you more fruit. And I felt like that was the like healthiest dynamic we had because like it was just kind of encouraging them to try things, but it was very not, they didn't have any pressure about it. In the public school system, at least in my experience, they weren't allowed to get seconds of specific things. Like you could buy a whole second lunch if you wanted, but you couldn't pick like, oh, I don't want that sandwich, but I want double vegetables. And I think the healthiest thing to do is offer kids a variety of at least moderately healthy choices and then let them decide what they want to be consuming. I think it's crazy that we're force feeding children like milk and bread and things that they don't want to eat.
2: One of the things when you're looking at like children's nutrition in general, especially with young kids, they say that like it can take up to eight to 10 times of an introduction of a non-preferred or new food for a child to even want to try it. And like just having it on their plate, they don't have to have it, but it's there. But like they can have their preferred food and eat it. Like that's so important. And there's not really that option at schools that I've been in. It's like they just get one pre-packaged thing a day and that's the lunch for the day.
1: They have like no autonomy over their choice. And I think that to build a healthy relationship with food, you really need autonomy even at like a toddler age and you're right the number of kids that like they would never eat something but I would put it on their plate every time and then one day they just tried it was astonishing. The one thing that was funny there is I would serve their plates the way they were supposed to be served but I'm not gonna make my plate with stuff I'm not gonna (laughs) eat and they would always get like really upset over that. One like meal we commonly had it was like spinachy collard greens mac and cheese and chicken nuggets and then they had like uh, some kind of canned fruit with it too and the kids would always be Like, I don't want greens on my plate. I don't want greens on my plate. And I would tell him, like, you don't have to eat it. I'm just going to put it on there. And then they would be like, but you don't have greens on your plate. And I was like, they're like, how come you only have nuggets and pasta? And I was like, because I went to college. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. I mean, the idea of
2: fast compliance and lack of student autonomy is so real. And it's something that is in every element of the student's day. And if it starts at breakfast, and it just keeps on going, and then you're timed to eat lunch, you're timed to play, like it's extremely structured, you just do what you're told. It's giving school to prison pipeline in a lot of ways. But if you take autonomy out of meal times and then you're policing like bottoms on chairs quiet voices like you're taking this time that should be very like eat your meal talk to your friends decompress a bit and you're like nagging them can you imagine somebody in the teacher's lounge walking over top of the teachers and being like two more minutes to eat reel it in don't talk too loud wear your
1: greens right and what you said about it's giving school to prison pipeline i'm really glad that you said that because i forgot about this and i that was part of the reason i picked this topic is because i taught high school I had had students who had interacted with the criminal justice system and some of them who had served time in juvenile centers. And one thing that I found to be very disturbing and interesting was to eavesdrop on them discussing the differences in the food between the public school and the juvie. So this happened when I taught summer school because three of the kids had been in juvie and so they were talking about it with each other. It was in some ways really depressing to hear them speaking about it so matter-of-factly because in my mind, your school shouldn't remind you of jail, prison, whatever you want to call it. Like, it shouldn't remind you of that. But they're built that way anyway. And in their mind, they just like, I think they didn't realize how fucked up that was. So they were just having a very candid discussion about it. So they were like, oh, the juice and Juvie is way, way better. They were saying they hated the school juice, but the juice at Juvie, they had more options and they would be like a little bit frozen. So they said it was like a slushy vibe. Oh, those are good. I know exactly what they're talking about. Me too. Because I was like, oh, I know what you're <laughs> talking about. <laughs> Yeah, those are good. They're right. <laughs> and then they were saying something about some vegetable. Like, they were saying, like, oh, the carrots are better at school, but the broccoli's better at Juvie. Like, it, they were just literally going through, like, the different items and comparing and contrasting them and saying, like, oh, they were saying the chicken sandwiches were the same. They said, like, that it's the exact same chicken patty. It's seasoned the same way. Huh. And so, like, even though they didn't really seem in their feels in any type of way, it, like, really upset me, which I kept to myself that I was like, the fact that. These are the differences you're noticing between being in literal juvie and then being at school. Like the fact that they're that similar, I really think is so, so disturbing. And you know me, obviously, I think people serving time should have access to high quality food as well. But it was just crazy to me that in their mind, they were talking about it like they were the exact same situation. Like they were talking about it like it was like, oh, back when I went to school here, they were comparing them like two schools, which was very interesting to me that the fact that in their experience, Those two places were so similar that their brain put them into the same bucket.
2: Isn't that interesting? And did you know one of the things I found out by researching this, Big Milk is involved? Obviously. I mean, Big Milk is always involved. Big Milk is
1: always involved. (laughs) Big Milk has entered the chat in a big way. Okay, so
2: the National School Lunch Program, which is 77 years old, they only reimburse schools for serving lunches if milk is served with every single meal.
1: Which is crazy.
2: Crazy. So
1: I think a solid 20 or 30% of the population is lactose
2: intolerant. And that's what I was gonna say. Okay, so 28 civil rights and healthcare groups announced they would like the USDA to address the dietary racism involved in school nutrition programs. And it's about forcing kids to drink milk. Yes. They noted that children of color are more likely to be lactose intolerant, which I didn't actually know. Yes. And big milk is sticking their big cow udders in everybody's business again. Like, how do they own? Did you do
1: a stream on milk? Milk? Yes, I have a milk stream. It's literally one of my favorite streams I've ever done. I'm so sick of them. Their, their udders <laughs> are just dragging across the United States of America. I learned that children of color are much more likely to be lactose intolerant. When I taught at Early Head Start, we were required to give milk, which those kids are very small, so they do need it. But we also received almond milk, and we were allowed to use either. And that's something that, again, Department of Child and Family Services has its own issues, but that's that's one thing I felt like they were crushing it on. Parents could request their child be given almond milk instead of regular milk.
2: And the National School Lunch Program won't reimburse it.
1: No, they won't. Because DCF, our like, funding came from a different law, so it, everything was still paid for. I had to take like little classes through DCF, and I remember they had a health one where they talked about lactose intolerantism. And yes, it is more common in people that are not white. White people love milk.
2: I can't understand, like... Okay, I, I do understand it conceptually, but I'm going to get on a little bit of a soapbox. This is actually driving me fucking insane because my previous district touted themselves as like the – Top urban district in the country, which is the biggest load of bullshit I've ever heard in my life. But it's like these big organizations that act like they serve the population within them and they just don't know anything about their population. They just want like the accolades. Is this national school lunch program like check, check? We served lunch and we are good. We don't yeah. need to change a, a single thing. Like the NSLP covers. 30 million children in 100,000 schools across the U.S. And those schools, the children, are mostly people of color. It says 80% of black and Latino people, more than 90% of Asians, and more than 80% of ind- indigenous Americans are lactose intolerant, compared to 15% of white people. So you're literally just shoving milk down these no, kids' No, literally. Doors.
1: White supremacist milk.
2: Hello? The NSLP came back and they were like, or maybe it was a U.S. Day. Somebody came back and was like, oh, you just need to submit a doctor's note. You can, you can get your almond milk if you just submit a doctor's note. And it's like, what is not clicking upstairs for you? People in our communities can't always get a fucking doctor's note.
1: Are you dumb? And like, doctors are important. And I know med school is hard and you learn a lot there. But I don't need a fucking doctor to know what irritates my stomach and what doesn't. Like, you don't need to go to a medical doctor to know that something doesn't sit well with you. You do need to go there to get an official diagnosis. But like, if you're like, oh, I drink milk and then I'm in the bathroom wanting to cry... I don't think you need to go to the doctor for that. Like, it's just an unnecessary burden to put on people. Mom or
2: dad has to take off work. Somebody exactly. has to get childcare. It's the whole like- thing.
1: I was at Urgent Care the other day, and they had this sign that said, like, children are not allowed to come into the exam room with you. Any children under the age of 10 are not permitted to be alone in the waiting room. If you do not have childcare, please reschedule your appointment. And I was like, imagine if you're a parent, and you just need, like, one little thing from the doctor. You just need to go in for a test for something, or you need some antibiotics. It's literally just such a process. Because we're not like a children-inclusive society, which is shocking because their children are here. So I don't know how we've been ignoring them for so long.
2: It's like they get what they get and they don't get upset.
1: Children are not viewed as people. They're just viewed as like minions. It
2: always goes back to that.
1: I also found this Vox article. It's a little older. It's from 2014. It says, why kids on Twitter are blaming Michelle Obama for gross school lunches. This is when I was in high school. So I remember this very distinctly. There's the hashtag, thanks Michelle Obama, where kids were tweeting about their lunches that were not good which we already talked about it's not Michelle Obama's fault and it's because of these profit hungry companies but one thing that these tweets reminded me of is another way that companies were able to kind of fit within these new healthier guidelines without having to spend more money is a lot of them made their portions a lot smaller so if you cut the serving size in half naturally there's going to be a lot less sodium in that so high school students a lot of times were not getting the amount of food needed for a high school student especially you know you have PE you're playing sports like you burn a lot of calories you need a lot of nutrition during the day and so it was just kind of saying that like these companies instead of actually doing what the intention of this law was by providing healthier meals they just cut the serving size pretty dramatically oh this is a more recent one it says this is from education week we've kind of looked at some of their stuff before it's very recent it's from January it says what teens think of their school lunches. Five takeaways from the national survey. A couple things that this survey pointed out. One that we were talking about, convenience is key. 83% of students said that having meals available to them throughout the school day would make them more likely to eat it. About three quarters of schools said knowing they could get school meals in neighborhood locations or dropped off of their house would make them more likely to eat healthy food. And the other thing is that they said lunchtime is important to school climate. It said nearly three quarters of students said that school m- meals give them an opportunity to build friendships and community with other students. So, I think it's showing that, like, this is clearly is an important time of the day for students. It's really all they care about, if we're being honest. Especially at the high school level. It was my favorite subject. Exactly. The countdown to lunch. And I think, like, us as a country really making it like a super sterile and uniform experience with lots of rules and requirements and all of that is just making it stressful and then the other thing that this kind of reminded of where it was talking about convenience the amount of time kids get to eat lunch most kids only get 20 or 30 minutes for lunch and I know at my old school a lot of kids hated the situation because by the time you're done standing in line for 15-20 minutes you only have a couple seconds to eat I know in high school that that's why I brought my lunch every day because we had 23 minutes for lunch and I was like, I'm not going to spend 10 of my minutes standing in line. So I'd rather just pack a lunch. So I think like we owe children the grace of having a civilized meal where they get to sit down and not rush and speak with their friends and take a break and eat things that make them feel good that they want to be eating. It's
2: very stressful for kindergartners, too. One of the things at back to school night that I always say is like, if you're packing your kids' lunch, just unwrap everything for them so that it's just super easy. They make these bento boxes on Amazon that you can literally like lift the lid and it has everything already packed, like those. portioned out, and you can close it. And I'm like, time your kid. Give your kid a lunch box for lunch over the summer before kindergarten, and like see how much they eat in twenty minutes. It's horrible, but like you need to be prepared because this is what it is.
1: It's literally like the Hunger Games. It is quite literally. There's
2: no federal or state requirement actually for the allotted amount of time for lunch. It's just like imposed district by district. The CDC says that students should have at least twenty minutes, and at least for twenty minutes once they're seated is what the CDC says.
1: It's like no time. And when I remember when I was in high school, the class period would be divided in half and half of it was guided study and half of it was lunch. So we got a little over 20 minutes. But sometimes they would give us what was called extended lunch where instead of going to guided study, they would just put us all together and we got the full hour for lunch. But they did this thing that at the time I was like that's kind of fucked up. And then now as a former teacher, I'm like, wow, I cannot fucking imagine doing that. On the days that we had the hour lunch, if you were failing two or more classes, you didn't get to go and you only got 15 minutes for lunch and you had to spend the other 45 in guided study.
2: now we don't have time to unpack all of that.
1: Like you had to earn getting a civilized lunch.
2: It's like I'm never surprised by these things, but I also am somehow shocked. Who sits in these meetings and is like, yeah, good idea.
1: Good idea, Jim. I love that. Like let's, let's- when you're looking at a ch- At a child failing two or more classes, to be like, you know what would improve this? Less Taking away their access to food. And socialization. That would make them try harder. Like, are you kidding me? So this is, like, what I was trying to find earlier. This is from the Gazette, and it's from 2015, and it's a study about kids throwing away their lunch before and after those changes went into effect. But it says... The design of the experiment was simple. In the spring of 2012, before the USDA rule went into effect, researchers visited two elementary schools and assigned some kids. They assigned them a number and took pictures of their tray before and after they ate to try and quantify what was eaten and what was thrown away. And then they repeated the experiment after the new rule. What they found was worrisome on several fronts. Because they were forced to do it, children took fruits and vegetables. So after the rule, kids took 29 percent more fruits and vegetables, which makes sense. They were required to. But their consumption went down 13 percent. And in my opinion, that's because they took away a lot of the seasonings, the sauces, and started using much lower quality ingredients. So their consumption of fruit and vegetables actually went down 13% after the mandate took effect. And worse, they were throwing away 56% more food than before. The waste each child was producing went from a quarter of a cup to more than 39% of a cup each meal. In many cases, the researchers wrote the children don't even taste the fruits and vegetables they choose at lunch because when When you look at the pictures and if you've been in a school, they do not look appetizing. Children are very, very visual creatures.
2: And people will be like, oh, my school has a really good lunch. Okay, Becky, well, that's you. your school.
1: That's not like a universal experience. Ugh, I wish I was like president of the universe because I would force every school to have a garden where they grew local things and that was a class, was gardening class, and then that's what they ate. Like, let's get the kids in this dirt. Like, let's teach these kids about food because if they had to grow that tomato, they're going to eat it. I've been in a couple
2: schools that have gardens and it's pretty special.
1: This might be hearsay, but I. I vaguely remember hearing about a school I don't know if it actually happened but I feel like it definitely would based on the other stories we've told a school that was growing vegetables and the district was like you actually can't feed those to the kids um, because we have to pay for the government school lunch because that's what gets reimbursed so we can't provide anything that's not government lunch so literally the children like put their blood sweat and tears into growing zucchinis and like weren't allowed to eat them
2: before we talk more we're gonna listen to an ad
1: hopefully hopefully a good one (laughs)
0: Okay, so
2: I think this is pretty badass. This is one thing that I found out. The Black Panther Party started the free breakfast p- program that we still have today. So this was in California schools, of course. <laughs> right side of history, yet again. We stay
1: winning. <laughs> I live in one of the states where the police assaulted the breakfast people and destroyed the food. That happened. More- i did a stream about it the police came in and destroyed the food for the children mm, wrong side of history because it was from the black panther party
2: okay listen the black panther party saw a need and they fucking filled and it and that's
1: the only reason the government did it because they were like damn that's embarrassing that they're doing it and we're not they literally
2: shot it down and then they were like but we're gonna we're gonna keep that thank you for your for your help um so, and they saw differences when schools started giving breakfast to the kids in the morning. The teachers reported that students were no longer falling asleep in class or complaining about hunger pains. No shit. But in the 1980s, there was a PSA run telling people it's okay to hug their kids and tell them that you love them. Doesn't surprise me that in the 1960s, schools were
1: like, man, what the hell's wrong with these kids? The 60s frontier was feeding them, and then the 80s frontier was
2: loving them. Yeah. So this, is, by the way, is an article by Food Corp's is that do you say the p is it food core i think so i don't know okay i don't know and then the title is racism in school food and what we can do about it anywho back to the black panther party being badass um so asian american activists organized similar initiatives to feed kids in little tokyo chinatown and different cultural communities across the country and the fucking f FBI shut it down. The FBI is the one that came in and was like, I'm sure we have other things to be doing right now, but the Black Panther
1: Party is feeding kids. And we don't like that. We specifically said don't. Can they go find an actual fucking crime for once? Like, go find someone actually doing crime. Get a job. There's many people out there. Many. Get get a life. Start a podcast. Get a
2: life, losers. The FBI agents lied to parents about the safety of the food being served, for example, and some even broke into churches to destroy food meant for students. They eventually shut down the Black Panthers initiative, but the free breakfast program inspired the federally funded school breakfast program that still operates today. In fact, back in time, the National School Lunch Act from 1946, due to that act, Congress stopped paying for school cafeteria lunch equipment. So they passed it and they were like, okay, bye, you're on your own. They left school districts to upgrade their cooking prep and storage facilities. At the same time, the white flight happens. So rich white people are leaving the cities, causing property values in urban centers to plummet. And as we know, schools are funded by property taxes. So without that funding, school in these low income communities of color could not get adequate kitchens. And then it gets fucking worse. In 1963, Congress passes the first child nutrition bill and said schools can only get funding for school lunches if their kitchens were well-equipped. Well, what did we just establish? You stopped giving us lunch equipment. And then we're like, oh, so sorry. I guess you can't get funding for food now. And then the Black Panther Party saw that need and moved in.
1: The way that the government was literally like, what do you mean you need a new fridge? I bought you one in 1943. It's not like, what'd you do to it? Literally. (laughs) If you had taken care of it, it would still be working.
2: Classic boomer logic. This is an excellent article. I'll, I'll link it in the description. But it says, for decades, communities of color as well as poor rural communities have been left out of federal policies that would support local infrastructure, small farms, and regional economies. And these areas have some of the highest rates of child hunger. I mean, no shit because it's set up that way. So this is like just a shining example of how the government will pass a law and it turns into this Trojan horse of bullshit. But it's so passive aggressive because it's like, well, that's not what this bill says. It just
1: says you need to have an updated kitchen. No, they're literally gaslighting us like they're literally gaslighting us they're like i never said that i just said that you needed to have a fully functioning kitchen do you disagree that the kitchen should be fully functioning they're literally the government is the worst boyfriend ever
2: Mm -hmm. and they're the worst for communities of color and it's like so systemic and on purpose (gasps) anyways so what can we do about it i suppose we should talk about that unless you have more articles
1: no and i don't have any solutions I didn't really think about that. Okay, perfect.
2: Food Corps has a solution. So it says, one tool for advancing equity in schools is food education, obviously, but it's it's talking about dedicated food educators who are given time, space, and resources to teach kids about growing, cooking, and eating, nourishing food, and then allowing students to build connections to their food system, learn why nutritious food is important, and move toward playing a role in their own food sovereignty. So Food Corps is like, and we do that they're like, good news, everyone. They have like hands-on food lessons that you can do with kids. It says school nutrition staff also need resources, which yeah, they need to upgrade their kitchens, acquire equipment needed to prepare, cook, and store healthy meals. So like going back to what I'm saying about my schools that I've worked in largely, it's like shipped in and then you unwrap it. It's like they have shit to heat it up. But
1: they don't have any like prep stuff.
2: Yeah, I don't know. And do they even have the people to do that? Some school kitchens are using equipment that's nearly 50 years old, it says.
1: I absolutely believe that. There was a woman who worked in the cafeteria of the school that I taught at, and she had worked there for like a very long time. She had worked there for like 30 years or something like that. But she had a joke basically saying that she got demoted from cook to microwaver because she, oh, yeah. they, she was like, we used to actually cook stuff. And she would tell us how they used to like, she said it wasn't like crazy high quality, but she said they would send them them like sauces and dry noodles and things like that and she would cook it like she said she wasn't doing a ton of like chopping of fresh things and seasoning but they would like kind of send her ingredients and sauces and mixes and she would put them together and she was like now literally everything comes in a bag You slice it open with a box cutter and you heat it up and that's all you do.
2: Yeah. Being in schools in general right now can be really hard because it's like you can see what your students need. And a lot of times teachers will fill that need. Like I always had a a snack drawer. We have like water bottles in our classroom or whatever. Did you you
1: make them cricket labels with their names really special on them though? You know what? That's (laughs) for you. Fuck you. (laughs) I have a cricket. If you want to send me their social security numbers, I can calligraphy those and put them on the water bottles. Oh my god. I'm, fuck
2: all of you. I'm gonna go hang out with my students and everybody else can shut the hell up. So, but it's hard when you like can see what the kids need and then you can't give it to them. You know that the kids are hungry. You know that the kids aren't maybe having something they liked for lunch and then they're crying because they're tired or they're hungry or whatever and then they're testing the shit out of them and they're like, perform! Show me how you read. Like it's very, very... They're
1: literally like I gave you a multigrain roll in a slop of vegetables an hour ago why are you not on a college reading level in fourth grade yeah if you had eaten your vegetable slop you'd be able to read hello
2: it worked for babe the pig so one thing that you can bully the government about, because you all know how much I like to make phone calls and e- send emails and whatever, child nutrition laws have not been updated. It's the process is called Child Nutrition Reauthorization, CNR. These laws have not been updated in 10 years. So the next CNR process could, in theory, incorporate things that make school nutrition a more equitable thing and um, include legislation that will upgrade these kitchens and increase the farm school connections and just get more education into our kids' hands, which is always a good thing. So thank you for coming, I guess.
1: I guess the biggest takeaway from this is... This shit's fucked up so if you're a rich person listening to this call a school and pay off everyone's school lunch debt a thousand dollars is literally nothing to you
2: so true
1: so if you are listening to this and you own a birkin bag um i am expecting you to pay off the lunch debt of five different schools minimum so if you could just email me once you're done with that
2: thank you so much this is one person that gave us a five star review which is the best way to convey information to us it
1: is if you need us to know anything put it in a review and give it five stars love your
2: podcast so much. Your podcast photo has some faint chalk drawings behind Mrs. Redacted's face, which look like someone is squatting next to her head. Does it really look that way?
1: Our new picture or our old one? Did we put the new picture up? That was fast.
2: I did because I didn't know what else to do. But it doesn't, I don't see the squatting. Me either. Caller, if you could submit a drawing to me. I see a plant. And this other person says, love you guys, so relatable and makes me feel so much better about everything. We love you, NM200. I don't see it, but I'm going to need you to submit. Maybe it's like a, a drawing in the clouds, you know? You know, it's like I see a lady dancing What's in the, the clouds. Test? the I worst, worst,
1: desired, worst, worst desired Worcestershire, worst Worcestershire, Worcestershire, not the sauce. That, the Worcestershire, oh yeah, the, the ink blot. Yeah, we love you so much. We'll see you next week party people party people we'll see you next week um i hope everyone gets to eat something that they love that makes them feel really good and i really hope that this podcast didn't have almond mom energy because that's really not our intention we just want the children definitely don't want that to be nice and fueled and happy and ready for class
2: period we love you bye laugh
1: learn bye Just as a disclaimer, because I am someone who is actively teaching, everything on this podcast is my personal opinion and does not reflect my district, my state, my employer, my students, or my admin. Everything on this podcast was recorded on personal time, on personal equipment, and is a completely separate endeavor from my school district.
2: Yeah, leave her alone.